Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast, where we discuss the well-being of a Christian business owner and the different facets of growing a business, all from a Christian perspective. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Shewandeemi. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Today we have a very special guest for you. He's an author, three times author. Um, he wrote the book, True North Business, Principled Profits, Outward Success. It's an inside job. And his latest book, The Freedom Paradox, is Unbridled Freedom, Dividing America. But today, the main book we're going to talk about is his book, Principled Profits. Outward success is an inside job. I picked up that book and I couldn't put it down. I went through it in about, what, maybe four days. And his name is Bobby Albert. Bobby, thank you for joining us on the show today. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It's a great day and I look forward to uh, visiting with you. And it's a pleasure to be on your show. The pleasure's all mine, Bobby. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I uh, I got into this business. Uh, actually, I was very fortunate that uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my, my dad started uh, a furniture reupholstery and uh, a refinishing business back in 1938. Wow. And uh, so I was very fortunate as a little boy to be able to hang out with my dad a lot. And uh, it, it, uh, uh, you know, uh, I remember the first time he he let me go uh, out on a job. And uh, by the way, uh, from that, we continued having the furniture upholstery and refinishing business. But in the late 50s, he started a moving and storage business. And that was the one I was probably uh, closer to. I mean, being a little kid with my dad, uh, I, I knew the people that uh, repaired the trucks, uh, you know, the the people that uh, put the gasoline, you know, in the trucks. And uh, I, I knew a lot, you know, even the insurance agent, uh, the bankers, mm -hmm. just about, mm -hmm. just hanging out with my dad. And I remember when I, um, the first moving job, he let me go out and he gave me some really good advice. Uh, he said, now, Bobby, now you got to realize I'm in, uh, you know, like seven, going in the seventh or eighth grade here and, uh, which is pretty young. Yeah, seven, eighth grade, that's probably what, 10, 11, maybe? I might have been around 12. 12, right. Okay. And so he said, Bobby, when you go out there, I don't want you to act like the boss's son. Well, I don't <laughs> know. I tell you what, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, uh, but the as a kid that age, I, I don't know how I clearly understood. Uh, what he meant by that. And so from that day forward, when I went out on a, a job that he let me go on at that young age, I took on the servant, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, role. And I, you know, I did everything I could. I would like run between the truck and the house and the, uh, and the house and the truck. I would do all the kind of jobs that nobody liked to do, you know, Mm -hmm. at, in the moving service, I, they used to call me an automatic pad folder. Did I like it? No, but I was there to uh, serve uh, the mm-hmm. crew. The crew there, I didn't realize how important that was, uh, and until years later. And what occurred is when I was uh, twenty years old, I was very fortunate to graduate from college at twenty years old. I finished in three years and I went to the local university uh, where where our fa- you know, where our family, uh, you know, where I grew up and those kind of things. So uh, anyway, I graduated and within a couple of months, uh, my dad died of a heart attack. Mm. And at that point, I was thrust at 20 years old to become the leader of this small family business of only, you know, five employees. Well, then I, I discovered, uh, within a, you know, within about another month or so is that we were heavily in debt and our, it, we were so heavily in short-term debt and you being a financial advisor, you understand what I'm about mm-hmm. ready to say. Yeah. Our short-term debt, was about what the total gross revenue of the business. Wow. So you were in the red. Oh, man, we were way upside down, way upside down. I didn't even know that. And um, uh, the bankers at that time, uh, I don't know why my dad had three bankers, but he did. And uh, they kind of carried on different roles. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, back then, and... Uh, they wanted to shut me down or shut us, you know, shut us down, which right. I can understand because they were worried about me, you know, out of sympathy or, you know, wanting to carry on the family business. But they, you know, when they looked at the financials uh, that this CPA uh, uh, put together, it just didn't look good. I mean, how are we going to pay back this debt, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, but but one of the guys wanted to give me a chance and, um, uh, and somehow he convinced the other two and they gave me a chance. And within one year, uh, we, uh, with a lot of people helping me, we grew the revenue by 252%. Wow. And we had the highest profit in the history of the business. Wow, that must have taken some gut. Well, I tell you what, I, I mean, it was like you, you know, it was like every day was a crisis mode. You mm-hmm. know, putting out fires. Oh, and you know, I'm learning. You know, e- you know, even though, um, you know, I the university, I had some business courses and things like that, but it's nothing like being put into the fire, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's all kinds of other stories related to how the employees jumped in to help me, uh, even took pay cuts. Uh, mm. I sold my personal car so I could draw down some of the debt. And, uh, 
uh, one of the guys uh, picked me up every day at my house and drove me to work in the morning and then took me back home. He did that for about two years, you know. So uh, the employees, I think they were so willing to do this. I think a lot had to do out of respect for my dad. But mm-hmm. but I think I had earned their respect going back when I was that little boy, because a lot of these five employees, a lot of them were there, you know, when I was that little boy and they saw my work ethic and they had the confidence that I could pull this thing out. And so, uh, but our company from that point just kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, uh, until, um, I sold my company to a publicly traded company with over 150 employees. Wow. And we, uh, uh, we, we, instead of being just a local business, 99% 99% of our business was outside of the city I was living in. And uh, it was even internationally uh, in scope. So, um, uh, and the, so anyway, uh, that's kind of a little bit about me. Five from five employees to 150. That, that's a lot of growing. And, that must have taken a lot of work, a lot of inspiration, and some of that which we want to we want to learn from you today. So, what made you write this book? Because as I was going through the book, I'm like, wow, this is a fantastic book. I I could have stopped highlighting portions and different parts of it, and <laughs> I was just like, man, there's so many gems in here. And uh, but what what led you to write in the book? Because it's a really good book. Well, thank you. Uh, the uh... When I sold my company, um, th- that company uh, who were led by Christians, uh, they blessed me financially. And I mean, I'm taken care of for life. Mm. So, but I, I'm, I tell people I'm living my second half of life. I don't have to do what I'm doing. I don't even have to write a book. Uh, and, uh, but I... Uh, I'm just driven. I'm not going to go to the beach and just sit there and look at the water, you know, as beautiful as it Mm -hmm. is. I'm just, it's not in me. And so I've got to keep going. And so I wrote this book because for years, uh, people had invited me, uh, trade associations, uh, uh, invited me to speak or do workshops on the culture we had in our company and about my leadership style, uh, because I, it became well known. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm not a writer to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> it's good that I've got somebody that can take you. You can probably tell I'm from Texas, uh, by my, uh, my accent, but yes, I can. Yeah, man, <laughs> I love I, it though. <laughs> I bet it was hard for you to figure that out. So, but you know, the, uh, uh, I've got people that helps me take this, takes this language and put it into the good, you know, good English. And uh, the only way that I could get this book written is start writing blogs. And I could do just a, you know, a little just chipping away. And uh, because people have been after me for years to write a book or something and so that's what led me to uh, write this book. And um, 
Uh, and the same thing went to the second and third book. And, you know, I'm glad I'm thrilled that you enjoyed this book uh, because as an author uh, is usually you think the best book you wrote was your last one. And so, <laughs> so uh, you got, Hey, you got some way to go here. So it, it was a really good book. I, I, I like the, I like the title too. Outward success is an inside job. So yeah. let's look at that. You discussed some ideas that I found really, really compelling. Like, uh, leading versus managing. Are you a leader or a manager? And what are the differences? And oftentimes, if in, in business or in organizations, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference because one bleeds into the other, right? So, Yes, exactly. And uh, uh, what helped me in understanding the difference is uh, I struggle like what you were saying. I didn't know this, but for years, see, my my bent is toward leadership, mm. leading people. Managing is managing things. And when I mean things, it's like manage, you know, the things of the business are like the financial statements, uh, like policies and procedures. Uh, in my business, it was like warehouses, trucks. You know, those are the things of the business. But for me, my bent was on the people side. Mm. And and I, I feel that's that's God given that gave it to me. So my strength is focusing on developing the people. And so uh, and that really had a big impact on our culture. Now. The what helped me is I read a book by Jim Collins and uh, he's written several of them. He's, the one he's mainly known uh, by is good to great. exactly good to <laughs> great. Um, and what we did, this is part of our culture. I took our leadership team through a book review of that. And again, I'm not really big on reading people's books, but it, it helped me the discipline on a regular basis. We would read a chapter, sit down and have lunch and talk about it. And we also read uh, Jim Collins' uh, other book called Built to Last. Right. And, I haven't read that one yet. Okay. Well, they're both excellent, both excellent. But one of the things that he put in there is uh, he called it the – uh, the genius of the end rather than the tyranny of the or. Mm. And see, I'm, I've, I've struggled for years because my mind is in the gray area. See, and I don't think of things. It's either this or that, or that. I just never have. Uh, but I struggle because everybody kept saying, well, it's gotta be this or it gotta be that. Well, it, it, I was always struggling with it. But when Jim Collins, that's one of the things in his books there, is the genius of the Ann, that helped me settle on this leading and, and managing. managing. Yeah. But it's not either or. Mm -hmm. Even though my strength is in leading the people, I still had to deal with the things of the business. The policies, the procedures, the 
the technical stuff that makes a business run. I took your tests and I realized I'm actually more of a leader as well than a manager. Um, the, the, the seven question test was, um, I, four was leadership and three was managing. So I'm somewhere in between. But if I'm to be really honest, I think I'm more of a leader than a manager. I've learned to manage as well because I run a business and you got to know the technical stuff. You got to know the things to put in place to make sure your business is successful. But it's not either or, like you said, it has to be leading and managing because yeah. those have to work in tangent for any business to be successful. Yeah, well, see, uh, uh, I'm glad that you took the, t- the assessment and I'm even thrilled with what you said. And let me tell you why is because uh, is that, there's another thing that helped brought clarity to me that Jim Collins talked about is that we're not talking about when we we're, when we're talking about leading and managing, we're not talking about it's 50 50. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here, it is leading and managing at the same time. time. Let me give you an example uh, is uh, when I'm sitting in a meeting and uh, we had these what we call uh, monthly business reviews, and people were giving presentations about the previous month kind of thing and forecasting out, you know, of what we're where we're going. Right. Uh, but typically, we're talking about a lot of the things of the business. Mm-hmm. Let's take, like, for example, the financial statements. Well, uh, are the trucks or the warehouse? Our policies or procedures are the the hiring, you know, the training that we're doing in uh, with employees, you know, the training program, right? Those kind of things. But see, uh, when I would ask questions, I'm asking questions about getting clarity on the things, but I'm also interested in the people that prepared the financial statement, mm-hmm. the people that are driving the trucks, the people that are. Uh, working in the warehouse, the people that are being trained. You, you see what the difference? Yeah, yeah. So it's not either or. It's both at it's the both. same time. And you, you said something that was really poignant was the, the leadership a lot is about relationships. And when you, you the, the relationship you build with your workers or those who you're working with, whether your suppliers or um, your employees, it's an important to keep that relationship tight and show them the care. That's the leadership part of it. But the management part of it is getting things done. And sometimes when you're managing, the the way you manage can actually hurt the relationship. If you're all about, let's get it done. You said something about anything. This is the goal. This is what we want to get to. Let's get it done. And for those who are often managing tilted, they they all all they care about is results. Okay, this is the results. Are we are we hitting the goal? Are we hitting the Q1, Q2? But in the process, if you're not managing those relationships well, you can actually you can actually hurt the results you're after. You're exactly right. Uh, and, and, of course, in the book I talk about, it's the same kind of using that same principle of the genius of the end uh, is it's relationships and results. And results, right. But – People that have a bent, their strength is managing the things. They're driving hard, just like you're talking about. They're driving hard to get results. But see, uh, 
but you, if you go too far on the relationship side, it's almost like a country club man, you know, <laughs> leader where they're just, you know, patting people on the back, kissing babies, you know, and all that. It's just, but you know, but nothing ever gets done. And what's fascinating to me is, uh, is, uh, an employee will quit and sometimes it would be your best employees, uh, will quit the one that is the country club, you know, leader leader, right. Or they will quit the hard driving manager. And Mm -hmm. it's because of a sense of accomplishment that's in us that we feel like we got to accomplish something. Now, when I, you know, if I work for a hard driving results driven uh, manager, uh, is when I go home and like talk to my wife, for example, if she asked me, well, what'd you get done today? Well, I can say, man, we got this done, that done, man. It, it was, but I am worn out. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm worn out and I don't know how long I can, you know, go. But if, if I went home for this country club, you know, leader, uh, that when I went home, my wife would ask me, well, what'd you get done today? I say, well, well, hmm. uh, I was there all day, but uh, I, I can't tell you what we did. I had a nice time. It was fun, but I don't know what we did. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it's it's fun for a while, but eventually there's something inside of you that says you need, you need to accomplish something. You said something that uh, employees and those you work for love challenges. Um, because it's the challenging, it's the challenging, the managing part that inspires because they feel like there's a sense of accomplishment. We're hitting our targets, we're hitting our goals. But if you're in a, in an environment that is just, oh, good job. And they care about you, which is great, but you're not getting anything done. You, you, sometimes you just, you get tired of it. Like, I don't want to go to work because I don't. I'm not sure I'm making a difference. And I think, to some degree, everyone wants to feel like they're making a difference, like they're exactly. doing something that they're contributing to success in some shape or form. But if that's not happening, if if manage if 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 leadership overshadows the managing part of it, then there isn't a lot of accomplishment. So it is it is relationships and results, and the way you drive those results, which goes to the other part of the book you talked about was process and content. And that was an eye opener for me because um, I'm all about process, process, process. These are the things that need to get done. And these are the steps to do it. But it's important to go through um, the, 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 the way you, you, you arrive at the content, the journey there is, is, is important as well. Talk to us about that. Boy, uh, that's a good point. And, and uh, there's a lot to learn there uh, because uh, we're so focused on what we want to say and do. But it's not, again, it's not either or. It's the genius of the end. It's mm-hmm. how you say and do it is the key. So it's not either or. You still need a what. You need a what before the how. So, uh, again, we're, it, it, it all relates to leading and managing to relationships and results, results. Uh, is process and content. And I hear that w- those words, it's a little confusing at times, but 
process has more to do with the people side and the content is more of the things, the what's. And let, let me give you an example. And it took me a while to learn this. Uh, <laughs> is uh, let's say, because when I'm doing a workshop uh, at a place of business and what I did in my own company, if I was leading the workshop and, I, and I'm and i trying to engage the, the employees is I, I would have these table discussions. And I, I'd, you know, I'd create a high discovery, uh, you know, high quality discovery question for them to discuss at the table. And then we'll come back and report and I'll record it on a flip chart. Well, uh, if there, a typical manager, for example, that's thinking about the things, they're real conscious of the things that are going on to the flip chart. Right. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the content that goes on the flip chart the big thing is, is the discussion that took place around the table and the engagement of the employees. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Yes. Because you, you raise this awareness of understanding why we're talking about this mm-hmm. and people, that's where they get inspired. That's and right. That's where, when they understand why, because of that discussion and you as a leader made that happen, that table discussion is the process. It's how, and the content is, is the what that went on to the, onto the, uh, to the uh, board chart. Yeah. Right. And the guess, guess what? When those employees now, because it came out of their own mouth and we usually, when we say things out of our own mouth, it's Mm -hmm. like we're behind it. Right. That's right. So you can imagine the, the engagement at the table and the engagement with me as a facilitator with those people at the tables. And there's a skill at how to do that. But, Uh, Guess what? When it gets ready to implement the content, the people are fired up to do it. Right. Because they were involved in the whole process. Right. Exactly. It's one thing as a leader when you these are the goals, these are the things we want to accomplish. And here, let's figure out how to do it. But if you are as a leader, you're engaging your your workforce, your your employees right from the get go. These are the things we want to we want to accomplish, but now because you're the ones on the front line, what do you think, or what are some of the things that we can do to get this from this goal line to the other line? And so, because they're involved in bringing up these options or this ways to do it, when it goes on the board, because they were part of that, then there's a higher chance that the things that are going on the board actually get done because you're no longer just barking orders. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, the last thing you said is is the way most leaders behave. They come, they on their, because, hey, Bobby Albert did this for a while. When I got a, when I got an idea, guess what? Uh, before I even talked to anybody, I came up with all of the questions that need answers. I would do on my own uh, all the research, come up with all of the answers, then I would go to our leadership team and it's like, 
guess what I've done for you? Mm. And it never went over well. And it took me years to figure out why is it this good idea is taking sometimes not only months, but sometimes years to implement mm-hmm. because they it, it was always Bobby's idea. It wasn't their idea. And they're not near as excited to implement Bobby's idea when they had no input. No input whatsoever on it. Yeah. Well, I tell you where the big aha was. Uh my, a, a guy that mentored me uh, for over 20 years, uh, he did what we would call today a 360 evaluation on me. And uh, the leadership t- contributed, even my best friends contributed to it. My wife even uh, contributed to it. And uh, guess what it revealed? the horrible truth that people said, Bobby, when you get an idea, get us involved on the front end because we want to help you. Mm. And not, not after you've already made your mind up because say, guess what? And I learned, see, I, I have a, like a yellow tablet, man, I've got it outlined. I've got, I've got everything, everything done on your own. I've got it all figured out. See? And, uh, and I learned not to, if I got an idea, is not to write anything down until I talk to our team. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, because I needed that discipline, because it, as soon as I start writing, it's like it's over with. I've made my mind up, see? So, uh, so when, when, I, when it was revealed to me from this 360 evaluation, I mean, to be honest with you, at first when I heard it, I got mad. <laughs> and I, I mean, I could think of all kinds of excuses like, well, they don't understand me. They don't appreciate all that mm-hmm. work I did for them. You know, I mean, I went through all that and thank goodness I had a night to sleep on it. And I woke up the next morning and I thought, you know what? All these people in, in a, I don't know who said what, you know, it was confidential, uh, but they gave honest answers uh, and, uh, they really wanted to help me and I'd really need to listen. And so, uh, I went to them and the, the leadership team. And I said, look, I, this is the results and, uh, this is what I've learned from it. And I'm sorry that that's the way I've behaved, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, it was a big aha for me. One of the mistakes leaders make is when we have these ideas, especially when we're no longer involved in the nitty gritty of the business, right? You you have staff and you have people working and who are in touch with the customers. Oftentimes leaders, we can get those big visions of here are the things we want to do. And here's what I think or how I think we can go about it. But sometimes those on the front line who are communicating and having conversations and talking to the customers could have their own ideas of how these things can get done. But unless you're engaging your employees or your workers from the get-go, your idea often, once once you engage them, the refined idea is often better than what you could have come up on your own because you're no longer involved in the front line. You're no longer shoulder to shoulder with the, with the customers as your employees are. Yeah, that's exactly what I found out. Now, it, it I it took hey, you got to realize once I got had this aha, it took me a little while to figure it out what I needed to do. 
And uh, uh, let me give you an example based on exactly what you said there uh, is uh, uh, we, we needed to buy some new trucks. And um, when you get the size at that time, the size of the capital expenditure, guess what? The guy at the top organization needs to be making that decision. Mm hmm. So I was about ready to go out and get all the specs, you know, and everything on these trucks. And it was going to be a, I see, I still haven't learned this yet. See, uh, I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm going to deliver the trucks and it's going to be another one of those. Look what I've done for you. They're going to be so happy. We've got new trucks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank goodness. Uh, one of the managers said, Bobby, why don't we go to the drivers and the crews to just ask them, um, you know, uh, about suggesting what we ought to do. Well, at first I was thinking, well, we don't have time for that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, we're paying them money to, you know, they need to be out on a job. You, you see what I'm getting at? That takes a lot of time. Yeah, that takes time. Well, he convinced me to give it a try. Well, I tell you what shocked me. And this has been, uh, we, I, I was, what the few things that was uh, shocked me is they went out and did the specs on the trucks on their own. And uh, they, they were, when they got the specifications and the pricing, they were blown away how expensive the trucks were. <laughs> they were blown away. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they were so sensitive at how expensive the trucks were. And this was back in the days before iPhones and mm -hmm. iPods. and Where you can just find stuff, information at the tip of your fingers, right? Yeah, it, this is, so the only, you know, music was always a big thing. And the only music they could get was in the truck listening to the radio. And guess what? On their own, they chose, They came back with all their specs and their proposals without a radio in the truck. Hmm. Now, just like today, radio music was like these people's lives. Right. And for them to sacrifice that. That meant a lot to you as a leader. Well, guess what? What if I said we're spending too much money and I took out the radio? You can understand. I can understand how that would, as an employee, I would feel about that because oh, he's yeah. not he's not going on the strips with us. How could he take out a radio from a car? How can he, he doesn't understand the, the job we do is hard enough as it is. So yes. why would he do that? And there is, you create a, a culture that is, you're not in tune with your employees and what they need. Exactly. And uh, guess what? Prior to this, when we finally got the trucks, the new trucks delivered, we put on, you know, new uh, moving van pads. You know, some people call them blankets, new equipment. It was like everything was new. Guess what? Prior to that time, I would constantly be talking to uh, the employees about folding their pads, keep their truck, you know, uh, you know, their equipment, you know, tied up to the wall, uh, clean out your cabs with the mm -hmm. lunch that you ate and the Coke, 
you know, the Coke can that's rolling underneath mm-hmm. the, the seat. You, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do. I do. Put your feet up on the dashboard. You know what I'm talking right. about? Right. Uh, so uh, I, I spent years trying to, you know, help these people to think it's better to do this. Guess what? Because they were involved in that decision. You never, I tell you what, when a truck came in the yard, the pads were always folded. The equipment, the dollies and stuff were always tied off against the wall. The truck, the cab was always cleaned off. I mean, cleaned out from, Mm -hmm. you know, and guess what? The driver would never let their helper ever put their feet up on the dashboard. Because they value that truck more because they were part of the process. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing because those are, it's the little things that we do that makes a big difference in the environments and the culture you create in your organization and getting your employees involved. Now, it doesn't mean that you abdicate making the tough decisions or the, the tough choices or directing the, 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 where the organization is going, but involving them is this is the vision. Uh, you are the ones helping us to carry this vision through. What are your ideas and getting them involved in that process? I mean, that's a, a very classic example that creates a, a team, a camaraderie, a, an environment where the employees feel valued because he actually asked us. And by doing the research themselves, they realized, wow, these trucks are expensive. So choosing a forgo, the radio, it, something that could have been a, a, a bone of contention or acrimony became something that they willingly gave up because they understood the, the, the cost as a, uh, to the business. Well, guess what? I knew how important that radio was to them. I said, guys, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to take the radios out. Mm. But guess what? I mean, it was like, I, I was like the, you know, the best leader they, you know, best boss they ever had you Santa. Know, <laughs> just over a radio. So, uh, we didn't take those out. That was the neat uh, thing. But I tell you what, once I finally saw how well this worked, I mean, we, some, and, you know, compared to some other <clears throat> organization, <clears throat> uh, is uh, we went full over where employees, no matter what level they were, were heavily involved in the decision-making process. And I learned very clearly is before I, Bobby Albert, makes a decision, uh, I and at the beginning of the decision-making process, that I engage employees by, and the ones that are being engaged, I ask myself three questions, is uh, who can help me make a better decision? You kind of touched on it. And uh, who will be impacted by that decision? and uh, who's going to have to carry out that decision. Mm -hmm. And once I got regularly, I mean, throughout our whole, you know, all 150 plus employees, uh, you can see we had a heavy engaged um, culture. Workforce, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to part one. Tune in next week for part two. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Wealth Pod. You can get in touch with us by sending an email to podcast at truewealthpodcast.ca or by visiting truewealthpodcast.ca. 